My name is Moore Milo. No, I'm Ross Sanarelli. And this is the Market Today podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining us for episode 137 of the podcast. What we like to do here every single week is we pick a book to read. We check it out on audiobook usually, give it a listen, see what we think, tell you all the good parts about it, tell you whether it's a good or bad book, in, at least in our humble opinion. And we also talk about the market, what's happening in it, what's happening around it, what's happening with it. Uh, on a day-to-day basis, hence the name Market Today. So today, yet again, we will be talking about the market today. And Saucy, Mr. Rasa Sauce, tell us a little bit about what's happening in the world of the markets. Yeah, you know, it's been real interesting. I think we've been in a time where people are kind of back in that thought of, you know, are we in a bear market? Are we still in a bull market? Do we invest now? Do we hold our money? Do we wait? So I think it's you know, it's a real interesting, interesting time. I think one of the big headline news, obviously, for today is, you know, Elon Musk buying about a 9% share in Twitter. He will now be the largest shareholder in the company. And he's someone that is very open about, you know, not really being a complete fan of Twitter in the way that sometimes they can be, you know, accused of censoring and withholding information or even controlling the narrative. Um, and definitely as a power user, as I would call him, is... You know, I think it's really important to see what he does because does he just buy a, a stake in the company? Is he looking more so to be active? Is he looking to be, you know, have his say on the board and really kind of make decisions? Because like I said, as a power user, he's exactly who Twitter should be listening to. He knows that platform better than most people. And not only that, he understands what it is and what it could be. So I think it'll be really, really interesting to see what happens there. You know, other things in the news, we've been watching companies like Google continue to grow as they lead up to their stock split. We've talked a lot in the past about Disney um, and how they continue to kind of grow again year over year, um, especially with the opening of, you know, parks again now that COVID's slowly coming to an end. So I don't know. It, I'm really intrigued and really trying to figure out kind of what we do. And I think when we look at the market, it's just a time where, you know, there's a lot of you know, I was almost going to say insecurity, but, you know, just to, you know, people aren't, aren't really sure what to do. There's a problem with, you know, do I buy real estate? Real estate prices are really high. Do we wait? Is the market going to crash? You know, there's so many different variables and people are wondering, should I move my money into Bitcoin to hedge against inflation? Is Bitcoin the best option? If we're not talking Bitcoin, do we talk about, you know, putting our money into something like a lower cap altcoin? Or do we look at, you know, ETFs, you know, there's just so many, so many options that, you know, I think it's going to be a really interesting time to see what happens, which is why I think it's so important when we talk about Elon Musk, when we see some of these big players in the space, you know, picking this as to as a time to invest, you know, granted, they're in this for the long haul. And we always say, if you're a, you know, long term investor, it doesn't really matter when you buy, you know, if you pick a good company, it should continue to grow. But I don't know. Um, personally, it does this make me want to invest in Twitter? Probably not, but I'm also very biased. Um, but it's something I'm very intrigued and very curious to kind of see where we end up. I don't know more. What do you think when it comes to something like this? Well, listen, when you have the ability to buy nine and a half percent of a multi-billion dollar company, you kind of don't have to play by the rules. 
right? Like at the end of the day, when you have that much market moving ability, you can go into any stock and make a shift almost immediately. Now, of course, after the dust settles and after, you know, that massive inflation of cash is brought into the business and the stock goes flying, obviously it's going to level off based on the quality of, of the stock, the quality of the company and what's happening with it and where they're going to use that money and take it and move it forward. I don't necessarily think that the movement of a couple billionaires in a in a massive market is a is a indicator that we can just that that you know oh yeah we don't have to worry about a recession or a correction or now is a great time to buy or anything like that. I do however it does make me think however that maybe it's still smart and wise to continue to hedge the bet over time with you know just incremental increase of, of, of funds and capital into your investment portfolio, like your portfolio, period. So, I mean, listen, I don't think it's ever a bad time to invest, right? It's always a good time to invest, no matter what anybody tells you. But from a timing standpoint, could it be better? I think it could. Um, but with, that, with all that being said, I mean, we keep on harping on this. You know, if you're a long-term investor and you really believe in what you're investing in it won't make much of a difference whether you buy in in the in the high or the lull of this year it just won't um but will we probably still see a correction i still think so ross i mean what do you think that we're just going to be able to continue to kick this can down the road and not have to see a massive adjustment throughout all of the markets that are overwhelmingly inflated you know, I, I, I do agree. I think that at a certain point, there has to be some sort of market correction, some sort of crash. Um, but we've also been saying this for quite some time. I mean, if you really think about the global scheme of things, you would think everything's going to be the darkest, you know, when we talk about like during a pandemic, during COVID. Um, but then we've also seen kind of the response from it and what it took to not only, you know, keep the world afloat, but also try to propel us out of it, um, is having some big repercussions. And I think that's really what we're seeing is, did we kick the can down the road or did we really already incur what some could deem as already the worst part? I mean, at this point, even if we see the markets crashing, you know, it's still not going to be, in my opinion, almost as bad as telling people they can't leave their homes and they can't see their friends and family on, you know, holidays or Thanksgiving. So, there will still be a lot of money being put in the market. I think the problem is, is, you know, it feels a little bit bait and switchy in a way. You know, they tried to to give everyone all this money so that you could have your stimulus check and, you know, it really kind of help you out and keep you moving forward. But the problem is, is, you know, then they did all these moves that, that created massive, massive inflation. And the people that get hurt the most by that are the people that really kept their 1400 and, you know, if it means anything, well, we saw a lot of these stimulus checks. We saw companies like Best Buy and Walmart sell out of TVs. So it doesn't make me think that a lot of people put this $1,400 away into a, you know, 401k, a, a safe stock, an investment. You know, it seems like a lot of them may have spent it and just as if it was free money. And then now they're, they don't have that money. They may still be recovering from the economic dip and they're trying to figure out what to do and their money isn't worth nearly as much. You know, like I told you the other day, you know, I just spent about eight days or so in, in London in the UK and the dollar does not hold its weight very well against the pounds. I mean, for a hundred dollars US, it's like 75 pounds over there. So, 
you know, I'm paying almost like a 20, 25% markup um, just from traveling abroad. Now, you know, that's where you really kind of notice it. But when you're, you know, you're at home and things like that, it doesn't look the same. I mean, you're seeing a difference of you go to Costco and, you know, they've, they've given you the same amount of paper towel, but they've increased the price or they've um, given you less and increased the price and you didn't even know. So inflation is a lot sneakier when you're home because it's hard to notice very small incremental um, changes like that to pricing where, you know, obviously traveling overseas, it's a lot more apparent. So, you know, to me, I'm not really sure kind of where we're going to go. Every time I think we're almost out, we shake back down. Like we do feel like we're on stilts, but I don't think the stilts are as high as we want to think anymore. I'm starting to think that if there is a crash, it's not going to be a full-blown recession like, oh, wait, I think it will be, you know, more of a reset, which we kind of need. But I think we've also slowly reset over the last year. I mean, if you look at the crypto markets, it's really started to cool down. Um, you know, prices now are where they were or even cheaper than they were a year ago. So we spent a lot of time in, you know, a bear or down market. Tesla was at 800 last month. It's back at 1100, 1200 this month. You know, I mean, if you wanted to buy, there were big opportunities. So, you know, how much are you hoping? At this point, am I hoping that Tesla goes from 1100 back down to 800? Sure, I would love to do it. But is that a crash to me? Because if so, I really kind of missed my shot by not doing it um, before, you know, even a month ago. So, how much of a dip do we have? Do we go all the way back down to 700? Are we thinking 600 numbers? I think everyone's got a different idea of what they think um, this crash is going to look like. I'm starting to think it's not going to be as bad as I previously thought, but, you know, I definitely could be wrong. But I think at the end of the day, I'm kind of sticking to just trying to have some cash on the side. What do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, listen, in the world that we're currently in right now, having cash reserves is really important. So just being in a place where you can have some cash and have the ability to have some stability is really, really um, main focus. And then whatever extra is available, that goes into the fund, right? So it's like, it's it's the same, same very similar concept, right? It's like just making making sure that the bills are paid, making sure that everything is covered, making sure there's a little bit extra, and then making sure that there's always money going into the investment accounts that's allowing for the time to take its effect, you know? Like, that's really the name of the game, is, like, how do, how do we let time uh, multiply and magnify our assets? Um, so with that being said, Rossi, I think, I, you ready to move into the book for the week? Let's do it. All right, rock and roll. So this week we read a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear, and much like his last name, this book was super clear, and I am a big fan. I, I Two thumbs up for me. Um, probably one of the best books on our podcast when it comes to actionable items, like really being able to pinpoint mechanically what to do in order to create atomic habits. Um, I thought it was an incredible book. Ross, what did you think? Yeah, same thing. I think you really described it very well. It was very well written and very clear. I mean, a lot of the books we've read can sometimes feel like there's a lot of fluff or they can feel kind of jumbled. And, you know, a lot of good books and good topics have kind of fallen victim um, to just not being laid out very well. And he does such a phenomenal job of breaking it down into little little structures, you know, four different pieces that you can really kind of take and use in your own life. 
So for me, big fan. Like I said, we'll continue discussing it, but off the bat, loved it. So what do you think? What stuck out to you? Well, I just liked his... It, I think it was a mindset that really stuck out for me in this particular book. I think it was more about where his perception of the problem was, right? Like so many people create goals and they, they talk about how they want to do all this stuff and they have these amazing dreams and visions for their lives. But at the end of the day, you know, you meet, you see those people two years, three years later after they made all those goals and they're in the same place and you're at, you ask yourself why it's like, you were really into that. Like what happened? Right. And I think that what this book does really well is it gives an opportunity for people to take these big, massive visions and dreams and break them down into daily and hourly actions that you can take that will actually get you from point A to point Z. Now, whether that's in a year or 10 years, those are two different things. But, you know, I think he really does a great job of, of, of making it really apparent to the reader that it's about what you do consistently every single day over time that's going to get you to your to the place where you want to go it's going to get you to the promised land right because i feel like there's so many people out there that just talk about these you know you can do it the raw rod 10x you know whatever whatever don't get me wrong i like grant cardone i just use 10x because he's a little raw raw it's just what it is but I feel like there's all these masterminds and all these people that come together to talk about how they created these incredible things. And, you know, it's so awesome and everything is great. Good luck. Go and do it. Right. And then people just leave or finish reading this book and they're like, dude, OK, well, how do I do it? Right. And I think this really gives you a system, as he says. That's what he called it in the book is a system that'll allow you to stay accountable to the everyday actions that will actually get you there, which is super cool in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's incredibly actionable. You know what he was able to kind of not only get across, but also produce as well. I mean, he, he just has a great system of trying to break down things in your daily life that I think can work out really well. Um, like a good example was he talked about like, and I'll put it into a use, you know, he talked about like working out. Like, so for me, during COVID, I was uh, I bought like a punching bag. I thought it'd be a great at home workout, and it was. But you know, he talks about a lot of things to make it easier. You know, having your workout gear out and ready to go the night before, having it by the door, having it you know already set takes a big burden off of you, and it makes a much li- uh, higher likelihood of you actually completing, you know, the workout. So for me, you know, looking at things like that, and then also don't set your bar on you know lose ten pounds or this and that. Really try to be the best version of yourself. So in this version, you know, my goal would then to become a boxer, you know, and I would just try to work to get better at it, you know, work out longer, work out harder, really anything kind of designed to help get it a little bit more, I would say, long term and more scalable. You know, I think that's really what he tries to get to is, you know, the the book's called Atomic Habits for a reason. He's really trying to focus on building a habit as opposed to you know, building a short-term solution. You know, a lot of these these systems are designed to help getting you, you know, like we said, whether to get you in shape or if we even talk about investing, things like that, where people try to do a lot at once and it almost kind of tires them out or, or wears them out to a certain point. He really makes a good effort to not only make it more enticing for you to actually start whatever your habit's going to be, but also to be able to kind of continue growing on that. And I think that's really 
the big takeaway from this book is how he really is able to get that point across with his system. Um, because like I said, he focuses on making it easier off the bat, trying to make it more enjoyable and trying to continue having it go places so that it's always going to kind of continue to grow. Really, this is what we've seen in a lot of our books in the past, and it's called Kaizen, which is more of that getting 1% better every day. Um, if you're a sports fan, you hear a lot of athletes talk about this strategy as well. But I think it just really shows it's it's the power of compounding. You know, if you get 1% better every day, it is such a massive, massive gain in your life. Whether you're like, say, you're talking for, for fitness, you're talking finances, you're talking relationships, anything like that. If you can always continue to grow in just small, consistent manners, um, I think it really is the strongest. And that's really what a habit is designed to be. It is not a short-term fix. It's not something that is very easy to do off the bat. But if you follow, you know, very simple steps and guidelines, it can really help you get there. You know, you're not reinventing the wheel for any reason. You're really just trying to build upon skills that you've had in the past, mix it with desires that you have for the future, and really kind of test your own growth, really see how far you can get. And that's really where you're going to kind of find something brand new for yourself. And I think that's going to be really powerful for people that are reading this book, because I think it can really be used um, for just about any reader out there. There's so many different things you can put in your own life um, to really help essentially get you to the next level. I don't know. What do you think, more? Yeah, I couldn't say it any better, man. I mean, I it, it reminds me of a lot of things in my life that I've, I've done well, right? Like all the things, if you think about them, right? Like that you really, you get into it, you do well in them, you start small, you grow and grow and grow every single day just by a little bit. And eventually you become, you know, heads and shoulders above where you were before because it's just that incremental shift, that incremental improvement, that incremental, you know, growth and knowledge. And I think it's it's something that we in our current culture don't value because all we see all day is highlight reels on Instagram or, you know, the, the cool thing on Twitter or whatever, right? Uh, you know, that snap on Snapchat, whatever it might be. It's like we only see the result. We don't see all of the little things that went into generating the big result, right? And in order for us to actually achieve valuable, long-lasting success, fulfillment, relationships, happiness, whatever, it requires the day-to-day, in-and-out commitment to doing the things that you know are going to get you to where you need to go, that are going to create the relationships that you want to create, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's all about the day to day. It's all about this moment. It's all about doing something different now. Um, and you're so spot on with the fact that it's about the little things. It's about that little tiny shift that you make, that atomic habit that you can create that'll allow you to piggyback off the momentum and take it to the next level and take it to the next level and take it to the next level. And as things multiply, the level of impact that started with that seedling of a habit, that tiny little habit is monumental. So I loved it. So final thoughts for me. Uh, I mean, I think that this is by far this, this in starts with why are by far in, in long the best books we've read so far this year. Um, they're really, really tight. I think they're different books 
one is very why, the other is very how. Obviously, this is very how, and, and you know, st starts with why is very why. So I think you have to have both of them. But I think that between the two of them, I think those are our two best books so far this year, and I'm really excited to see what's next. Um, Ross, any final thoughts? Yeah, I'd agree as well. This was definitely one of the better books we've read, especially this year. Um, and I think it's great that you kind of paired it with, you know, the the starts about why, because it really is kind of the other side. You know, you really need to understand your why when you're kind of setting out on a task or a journey. But, you know, once you have that initial goal, you need sort of a game plan that you can actually use and, and put into your life to help you achieve, you know, that goal or get to that level. And I think this book does it perfectly. It lays it out incredibly clear, as we've said earlier in this episode. Um, but it really can be used for anybody. I mean, this is a book that I'll take with me for a long time just because it's something that you can really take into so many different facets. I mean, it's amazing. However you want to use it, it's there. And I think the system he has will really help me kind of build or restructure um, both current habits and new habits for the future. So all in all, like I said, it makes me really excited um, that we were able to kind of break that streak of books that I think we would say maybe weren't our favorites, you know, and we have that when we read so many books and, you know, one a week, um, sometimes it's hard to find. So we were in a little bit of a book slump. So thank you to more for, for choosing this book and, you know, all in all really enjoyed it. Two thumbs up, highly recommend. So if you have some time, definitely give it a read. So guys, with that being said, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of market today. My name is more Milo. And I'm Ross Sinarelli. This is the market today podcast, and we will see you guys next week. Take care.